Hello and welcome to Tax Yak, a tax banter podcast. We love yakking about tax. So we've invited a range of tax experts and practitioners to have a chat with us. And today is a special day for Tax Shack as we welcome a very special guest, a member of the Federal Government Ministry. We hope you enjoy this episode of Tax Yak. I'm Neil Jones, Managing Director and Senior Tax Trainer with Tax Banter and your host of today's podcast. I am joined by the Honourable Michael Suker, Minister for Housing and Assistant Treasurer in the Morrison Federal Government. Michael is the member for Deakin in Victoria and holds degrees in commerce and law and has both professional and commercial experience before entering the parliamentary world in 2013. So, welcome Minister and thank you for joining us at Tax Shack. And firstly, uh, how's your health? How are you feeling? Well, look, thanks very much. I uh, Great to be with you. I'm feeling pretty well. It's been a, obviously a fairly arduous uh, six months or so, um, I suppose, for all of us. Um, but um, from a particularly a Treasury team point of view, whether it's it's the Treasurer or, or myself uh, or the PM or, or other members of the Ministry who have been at the, in the thick of the action, whether that's Greg Hunt in health um, yep. or others, we've all been you know, working pretty hard in some respects, sort of going, putting one fire out after another. Uh, yes, it's, so it's been a hectic time. I can't time. complain. My health's pretty, my health's pretty good. I, I really can't complain, and I've been able to appropriately, um, uh, you know, appropriately follow the rules. So hopefully that means I'll, I'll remain COVID-free. That's good to hear, and the team at Taxbander have been able to do the same thing. I suppose... Uh, Michael, looking back, you know, as we approach 2020, it's going to be a year that will be remembered for a long, long time, I feel. And if we go back to December when, you know, we handed down the mid-year economic and fiscal outlook and the government was setting the agenda, you know, returning to surplus. And so how do you think 2020 has unfolded from your point of view, from that well, I mean, midpoint of December? Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's a complete world away um, from where we were. You're right. I mean, we were... Um, we were handing down a budget in May. Um, we were very confident of delivering a very handsome budget surplus, the first in over a decade, um, and notwithstanding the fires that ravaged much of Australia uh, you know, over December and January, we were still on track to deliver quite a substantial surplus. So, yeah, things have, have obviously moved at a remarkable Historic. speed. I remember, you know, seeing this, seeing reports of, um, you know, this strain of flu or something in China and, you know, like so many of these um, sorts of, uh, uh, you know, issues, you sort of never think it's going to reach our shores and now, look, you know, six months later, the world's entirely changed. We're now handing down a budget in October. We've um, embarked upon spending of, of some $269 billion. We're heading towards a $184.5 billion deficit in 2021. Uh, it's a, you're right, it's an absolute world away. Yeah, it is amazing. And you did move quickly, um, you know, back in March, you know, to the reaction to the coronavirus. And not only is just handouts, you know, the government certainly did that with some corona supplements to job seeker. And, but there was also an encouragement of business to invest, wasn't there, through some of those relief measures such as the instant asset write-off and the, the business investment and the cash flow boost. Um, how have you seen those received by the economy and the, and the populace generally? Yeah, well, I mean, we have tried to um, 
you know, intelligently but swiftly um, respond to events. And you're right, um, you know, we, we have had um, payments, support payments to households in the form of two $750 payments um, to some 5 million Australians. But outside of that, which was a pure a pure um, support measure, um, we have really tried to make sure that we um, have targeted uh, scalable and in some respects, um, you know, really quick assistance. So the cash flow boost, for example, which, you know, up to $100,000 to eligible businesses will be, we we think, will hit around $32 billion mark. Um, and that was certainly well received, Michael, from the, the clients from uh, yeah, TechFan's client base. You know, and, and we, you know, we, yes, we put that together, together very quickly, but, you know, the PM made very clear that he wanted to the greatest extent possible for us to use existing delivery systems to get the money out the door. We didn't want to have to create um, yep. new systems, build new platforms, and so being able to do that, for example, through your ordinary business activity statement was very important. JobKeeper, obviously the centrepiece of the lifeline we've provided, yes. which, to, you know, which builds on um, single-touch payroll and marrying data between that and yep. what employers nominate. So. We have tried to get the money out the door quickly, um, and inevitably when you do that. Just in that um, context, how difficult was it, given the, the budgetary and fiscal position, to sort of go down this path with the, the huge spend for the stimulus? So how was, you, was that a, a struggle, an internal struggle? Well, it was. I think, I mean, the mental struggle is partly what you started off the podcast about, and that is, yeah. Um, on one hand, we've got a, you know, we had a strong economy with low unemployment, um, with decent um, economic growth, certainly compared to um, to comparable G7, G20 nations. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're right, you move into um, a phase of critical support in order to keep businesses alive and to keep people employed. Now, once you cross that bridge in your mind, and I must give credit, you know, the PM and the Treasurer crossed that bridge probably a little faster than I did, um, then, it, then the question isn't about um, delivering a surplus or, um, or, or the more traditional sort of fiscal restraints that you know we, we pride ourselves on yep. but then but then we're very much focused on keeping people employed keeping businesses afloat obviously you know the the, the coin um, the, the the term has been coined of hibernation well that was really just to keep as many businesses alive from one side yes. of this pandemic to the other and that really informed so much of the thinking so much of the fiscal support put in place by the government. And once, you, once we crossed that bridge, well, then it was a logical process yep. of, okay, how's the, how, what's the most intelligent way to get this support to, to individuals? And I suppose in that, con in that context, um, is that it was, you, you moved swiftly and with Parliament sitting sort of curtailed and social distancing and, and a limited, limited number of hours sitting, um, how do you prioritise the work and where does tax fit in in that priority? Well, um, I mean, the way, again, the, the way the, the, the PM and the Treasurer structured it was that for a period of time there, only critical COVID-related work, A, was to be progressed either through Treasury or through other departments, 
and was the only game in town when it came to yeah. our internal party processes around policy, uh, the development of policy, the approval of policy from the party room, and then obviously um, putting that in front of what was what has been a modified parliament earlier this year, where we've um, were able to successfully get through. Um, each tranche of the packages we put forward um, reasonably quickly, and, and, and we, you know, we thank the opposition for their support in doing so. Yeah. And I think um, we should acknowledge also the performance of the, uh, the bureaucracy, the Treasury and the Tax Office to not only design but implement and, and get going with pretty few hiccups re in reality along the way. So the agencies did an outstanding job as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... You know, before coming into politics, I, I, I had a, you know, obviously, a, a, like so many of your um, your listeners, um, you know, I was, I was a tax professional and I probably had a mixed views um, on the public service for a range of reasons, but I've been thoroughly impressed. Um, you know, my own department in Treasury with the ability to... Um, rise to the occasion to get the work done and, and the ATO, which is my agency, um, who I, I have the honour of leading, um, you know, has been able to deliver an extraordinary amount. I mean, if you look at what the ATO has done in facilitating the uh, $70 billion scheme in JobKeeper or a $30 billion scheme in the early release of superannuation or the $30 billion scheme in the cash flow boost and amongst all of that, the ATO have gone about their ordinary tax time um, business as usual work, which is, you know, about 3 million tax returns have been lodged since 30 June. So I, I agree. I think it's been quite a remarkable effort. And, and it is often the case, in certainly in, um, in through our tax planners client base, that it's easy to criticise, you know, when things do go wrong. And let's face it, in the, in the handling of the information the ATO has to handle, they they will get some things wrong. So it's always easy to criticise. But I think it, it is important to acknowledge, acknowledge the work that got done. Now, in your own portfolio, Minister, there's also the Home Builder Program. How has that gone down and how has that been received? Well, Home Builders, Home Builders has been a remarkable success. Um, in essence, what happened with the, the, the housing, the residential construction market was that in March when, uh, when we had nationwide restrictions, um, lockdowns uh, essentially just to varying degrees, um, mm. the, the new home market fell off a cliff. There were no homes being sold. It's still one of those markets, you know, quite rightly, people don't tend to buy homes on, uh, off the internet. Uh, they like to go no. and check out the plot of land and go to the display home and check out the actual home they're going to buy and choose all the bits and pieces and the mod cons that they want for it before they sign up. And basically, that fell off a cliff, which meant about a million residential construction jobs were at risk yes. in about August or September because that pipeline of work was going to end. Um, so we, we had to move very quickly. And uh, the, the Home Builder Program uh, has now led to, um, uh, I'd say... Pretty successful. In the house and land package market, a remarkable increase. Uh, here in Victoria, I've got volume builders in Victoria who have gone from selling... Um, one of them, a large volume builder, went from selling 30 homes a week prior to Home Builder being announced to selling 200 homes a week after Home Builder. And that just means tradies on site, whether they're 
um, bricklayers, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, all the way to the timber mill workers who who make the frames and trusses or the manufacturing workers who make the bricks and the tiles. Um, so there's a huge ecosystem of work and we're now looking at uh, the home builder um, We've had we've had over forty thousand people register interest to date. Um, yep. If we got anywhere near that forty thousand people accessing Home Builder in the second half of this year, that would probably mean, in my view, that the residential construction industry would be stronger post-COVID than it was pre-COVID. And it's often referred to, isn't it, as the canary in the coal mine because of its multiplier effect and everything else. So it's sort of the kickstarter to the economy in the housing sector. So a pleasing outcome. Um, Minister, I just want to turn now to the... Um, you, know, you mentioned the deficit size um, with the economic statement last week and a lot of the uh, clients at Tax Banner and uh, the accountants and the professional services people out there are saying, well, how's it all going to be paid for? And I think they're looking at tax to be probably at the forefront of the economy. Now, I don't want you to put you on the spot and give away any budget secrets, but do you see taxes playing a key role perhaps in the funding of the stimulus measures and, and uh, addressing the budget deficit? Well, yes, of course. I mean, tax tax will be will be very important. Um, I mean, in the end, I think the treasurer has made pretty clear that uh, in his in his statements, particularly on sort of supply side measures, that um, there's there's a whole lot we need to do. Uh, tax is is one component. Uh, we need to. Uh, enhance and increase economic growth as much as we possibly can. I mean, you've got to, you know, there's a there's a high road and a low road to raising revenue. The, the low road to raising revenue is just saying, right, let's just whack up everybody's taxes. And we all know that that can have a devastating consequence yeah. on the level of investment and therefore the level of prosperity in a society. The high road, in our view, um, is, um, is creating an environment where um, people are more willing to more willing to invest. You're able to attract foreign capital as well, um, and you're able to incentivise people. If you do that, um, you know you grow the productive capacity of the economy, yeah. and in the process, um, your taxes um, can afford to be simpler, fairer, and lower. And those two tend to go hand in hand. But I think it's a very fair question, and tax people are very it's a difficult, one, isn't it? Well, tax people are very practical and they look at the numbers yeah. and they, they, they say, well, you know, how's this going to be repaid? Well, the, the answer is not easily. Um, yes. But what alternatives did we have? And I don't think anyone seriously suggests we do have an alternative. So, um, you know, tax in Australia, we've got 125 different taxes, give or take, <laughs> give or take one or two, 125 taxes. Yep. Uh, Ten of those taxes raise 90% of the revenue. So you can work that out. They're quoting from Mr Henry's review, Michael. Correct. They're correct. And, you know, there's been maybe uh, slight changes here or there since then, but the numbers broadly are correct, yeah. um, which means you've got uh, 115 kind of nuisance Inefficient. taxes. Inefficient not taxes. a lot of money. That's right. <sighs> Um, so there's a, there's a lot to be done. And sorry, the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, the PM said we're not going to, um, we're not going to commission more reviews. Um, tax has been reviewed up to its eyeballs. What we're going to do is look at what has been done before with a fresh pair of eyes in a post-COVID world, a new world. 
Um, but a lot of that prior work will inform our thinking as to tax in this budget and the next. And finally, I'd just add, you know, this budget is about jobs and about encouraging and increasing the environment where people are likely to create jobs and employ a fellow Australian. And so every single measure we look at will be how do you facilitate that investment to create jobs? And if it doesn't do either one of those things, well, it won't get through the starting gate of this budget. Yeah, thanks for those comments. And uh, it won't stop the speculation, of course. As you said, a lot of uh, you can's are numbers people. And, and they'll look at things like, you know, there's already commentary out there about, you know, the indirect tax shift and whether we increase GST or or maybe, you know, temporary levies and all sorts of things. But I appreciate your comments. And we'll find out on the 6th of October, won't we? Well, that's, that's the other good thing about tax people. We know they'll all be glued to their screens um, on budget night. I remember I always was. So um, yeah, they'll be the first. They'll be the first disseminating that information. I'm sure. Yeah, I've got a breakfast on the Wednesday morning for about 300 people, Michael. So they'll be keen to know what, what's happening. Well, I remember those, and everyone, everyone at that breakfast will expect you to be the full bottle on every single thing that was announced the night before. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's correct. Uh, just to talk about, um, you know, getting away a little bit from COVID and, and the coronavirus, it's just business as usual. With the focus sort of having been off business as usual, you came out in late June and just made a few announcements about things that had yet to be implemented. And I think that was well received out there by the tax professional community, such as the Division 7A reforms, uh, some of the other changes, the um, uh, superannuation changes for you know four members to six members in SMSFs. So a couple of other, you know, the business as usual matters, you addressed that, you know, yes, they're still happening, but we'll delay the start. I think that was well received. Um, a couple of things we didn't get to hear about, such as the R&D changes and the uh, use of an image by professional people. So how, again, coming back to uh, business as usual, um, with Parliament resuming later in August, um, where do we get to on these measures? Will we sort of have further confirmation in the budget on budget night about the, what I'll call the, the issues that are still yet to be implemented? Yeah, look, there will be... I mean, I mean everyone saw that that was... You know, those announcements, you know, around Div 7A and others were, were welcomed, they were logical, um, and, you know, they were recognition of the fact that, to be honest, you know, the Treasury... Um, since COVID hit, has not had the bandwidth to, I think quite understandably, had the bandwidth to progress some of those more business-as-usual type of reforms and changes uh, whilst we were, you know, frantically trying to address COVID-19 issues. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we will use the budget to some degree um, to tidy up loose ends, for want of a better term, and to make sure yeah. that we're making sure the administration of tax is as simple as possible. What I hasten, you know, I have great sympathy for your members is, you know, announced but unenacted tax changes. It creates a level of uncertainty in an environment where it's very difficult to um, sensibly advise clients on how to proceed because, you know, until until an announcement is set in stone and you've got the Royal Assent from the Governor-General, it doesn't mean a great deal. Um, yes. So we appreciate all that. Um, I would just ask for everyone to bear with us because obviously some of the more uh, niche technical 
reforms, um, you know, have had to just take a back seat for the time yeah. being. But we will use the budget in a sensible way to try and tie some of those off. Okay. Yeah, and that again, you know, you're right. The um, the geek, the tax geeks out there, or the tax nerds, they won't do anything until they see the legislation, you know, in in dried ink. You know, whilst it's an announcement or a proposal or an ED, an exposure draft, you know, it still hasn't happened, and and therefore they want to, you know, that clarity and certainty before they act. So that's good to hear. Um, just putting a you know a, a future hat on, uh, Minister. Let's crystal ball goes for a minute. Um. I remember when I started out in tax, which is quite a, a, a long, long time ago, as many listeners will, will understand, we had one tax act and the tax law improvement program, which I'm sure of you may remember from your previous life, where we were going to simplify the language, put it in plain English, make everyone understand it. And so we were moved to rewrite the tax legislation into a, a brand new version and the 1997 act was born. We still have two acts. If we look to the future, can you envisage one day when we'll actually get back to having just one Income Tax Assessment Act? Well, I would absolutely love that. I mean, I, I must say when I was, when the PM rang me um, and asked me to serve in his ministry as Minister of Housing and Assistant Treasurer, I, on the list of things I sort of wrote out that day that I'd love to achieve, I did actually put on there uh, finish the finish the process of harmonising the two acts, knowing that it's a, to, to, to your average punter it sounds like a fairly simple exercise. We all know it's very very much not simple. Um, I think COVID nineteen has has scuppered that to a degree. Um, I I did have Treasury. Um, commence a process to see if we how we could pick that up and to be quite frank you know that process started such a long time ago now there's virtually nobody left in treasury who was even there when it when the the 97 act simplification um you know sort of commenced um mm. and obviously since that time there's been a whole lot of reform um a whole lot of a whole lot of pages added to um to, to both acts, actually, um, yes. I think I think it's not it's not there in the foreseeable future, sadly. Um, but um, you know, if we're able to get through this um, and get back to some level of business as usually in the next 12 months, then it's certainly something I'd be keen to pick up because uh, I think um, the the complexity um, and you know the some of the some of the concepts in the 36 Act, I mean, um, you know, are pretty foreign to most people who are who are under the age of 70. Quite frankly, um, it would be one of those be, being taxation of trusts, Minister, which has you know, been on the on the table for a long, long time. And we are we're, all, we're always, of course, but we're always, you know, and Treasury and the ATO are particularly. Um, Anxious and nervous about any of those sorts of reforms because um, they're always absolutely nervous about creating, uh, making any slight tweak that opens up, um, you know, a, a crack in the door for um, you know people who who want to adopt aggressive tax 
planning. And so their, their instinct is always, well, let's sleep in dogs lie if we know particularly around most of the 36 yeah. Act. We sort of know how it operates. There's a lot of administrative law that sits around it. There's a lot of interpretive advice. There's a lot of case law. And everybody kind of understands where it is and we know what the guardrails are. There's a yeah. huge nervousness with changing it. But my view is that uh, that... That job, which was started to harmonise the two acts, is a major piece of unfinished business that needs to be finished. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. But as I said, you know, one of the one of the things like the reform of trusts and how we tax them has been going on since, well, my infancy days in tax in, in 1980 in uh, the late Graham Hill's judgment in Davis, where he said, I can't fix this by judicial interpretation. It needs a legislative correction. And, and we've been looking at fixing the the way we tax trusts for a long, long time with temporary streaming rules going in in 2010 and they're still there and still temporary. So to harmonise and, and have that project back on, I'm sure some people will welcome in the future. Uh, Minister, I know your time is precious and I do really appreciate you giving up your valuable time to talk to us here at Tax Shack. So uh, I thank you again for your, your comments and your insights and I think all of us will probably look back on 2020 as just what an amazing year and and hopefully as we sit here at the end of uh, July 2020 that we start to see some improvements, particularly here in the state of Victoria with the, the way that this second wave has hit. So, Minister, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Neil. Great to be with you. Chart. Thank you. Good on you, Neil. Uh, See you, mate. Michael. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tax Shack. Uh, I've been talking with the Honourable Michael Suker, Minister for Housing and Assistant Treasurer. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, you can find Tax Banter on LinkedIn and Twitter. Let us know your take on episodes or suggest future topics or guests. You can also get onto the Tax Shack team on podcast at taxbanter.com.au and find our regular blog articles at taxbanter.com.au forward slash taxbanter dash blog. If you're enjoying our podcast, please take a moment to write a review for the show wherever you are. It will help us to improve the profile of the show and we would love to hear your thoughts. We look forward to you joining us next time on Tax Yak. Yeah.